You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. This is show number four in our Beginner's Guide to the IEP. In earlier podcasts in this series, we touched on some of the specific rights parents have with regard to an IEP. This show condenses all that information into one discussion so that you have a complete understanding of your rights surrounding that IEP. Linnea, it's so great to speak with you again. Oh, it's great to be here. Now, we've done three shows already, and this show entitled An Overview of My Rights at or to an IEP will cover a lot of the stuff we actually covered before, but this is just one podcast. You can sit down and listen to it all in one space after listening to or reading about the previous three. So are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Let's start off with the right to request a special education assessment. Um, That can be done by you as a parent or a, a teacher or whomever within the educational system. Can you tell us about that, please? Yeah. So like you said, as a parent, or if you are a teacher, you can refer a child for special education assessments. Um, This should be a pretty easy process. I recommend putting your request in writing. So you have proof of the date that you sent it. And it can be a handwritten note that you make a copy of and hand to a teacher or an email that you send to a teacher. Um, Now I think so many schools use school loop and other um, online portals Uh for communicating with teachers and parents. So that's a great way to send a request for special ed assessments. Um, And then if you are a teacher, a lot of school districts provide a form for you that you can see online and submit um, to your admin at the school. So pretty easy process. Um, It starts important clocks ticking. Yeah. Let's talk about those clocks. 15 days here, 60 there, 30 around the corner, et cetera. Yeah, a lot of days, a lot of numbers <laughs> coming up. Um, so for your, and you send the letter. From that date, they have 15 calendar days to propose an assessment plan. So you say, okay. I think my child might be entitled to special ed. I'd like assessments. 15 days later, the school district needs to give you what's called an assessment plan. And this is a two or three page document that says what assessments will be done, Usually it says who will do the assessments, although not always. And then it might include some additional timeline information that you want to review. So 15 days to give you that assessment plan. Can I ask you about that? Um, Mm -hmm. Do they have to do the assessment plan or can they determine at that point, like, this kid really doesn't need it? Or no matter what, if you request it, they have to put together at least a plan. It's a great question. So a lot of times they do assessments and they determine that a child isn't eligible. Um, so my understanding is they have to do it if they've received a referral. Okay. Um, I'm happy to be fact-checked if somebody has more information along that, but I'm pretty sure they have to put together an assessment plan and do an initial assessment. No matter what. Okay. All right. Go on. Yeah. So um, when I send a parent request for initial assessments, I usually include in that letter consent for the assessment. So this is a little unique and it jumbles the timeline a bit. But what I'm trying to do is say 60 days from the day you received this letter, I want you have to completed the assessments and held the first IEP meeting. Sometimes schools listen to that. Sometimes they don't. So what happens from the day that they get the assessment plan signed, mm-hmm. a 60-day calendar um, clock really starts to tick. So 
from the day that you consent to the assessment, they have 60 days to complete the assessments and hold the first IEP meeting. So I like to kind of combine that 15-day window and that 60-day window. So instead of being 75 days, it's 60 days total. Um, uh, sometimes they let me do that. Sometimes they're they're not game with that. They want you to see the assessment plan before they'll start the 60-day clock. So what you're saying is so the 15 days, they give you an assessment plan, and you as a parent say, yes, I consent to that assessment, but what you're doing is in advance. You're saying, and I will consent to any assessment in the future. Just do it. Yeah, pretty much. So what I'm saying is I'm referring my child for a special ed assessment and I consent to that assessment plan right now. Okay. Ahead of time. Um, yeah. It just makes things move a little bit quicker. And I think that's better. Um, early intervention is really critical. And so the sooner you can get the ball rolling, the sooner you can get an IEP in place and your child can start receiving services. So what did the ass important. assessment plan though is the test. One of the tests is at the removal of the child's fingernails to see if they react to pain. Oh, that'd be fascinating. <laughs> I'd love that case. <laughs> if you're listening and you have that in your assessment <laughs> plan, please call. I'd love to see that school. Um, <laughs> So usually that's not what this is going to look like. Oh, so usually you're going to have your psychoed assessments. You might have speech and language. You might have occupational therapy. These are pretty broad categories. In the letter where you ask for an assessment, you should include why. And it doesn't have to be a lot of language. It can be something as simple as my child is in the second grade and doesn't know the, the sounds that the letter C okay. makes. Um, and I'm worried that my child is falling behind in reading or my child really doesn't sit down for more than 28 seconds at a time and she bounces all over the room. And I'm worried that there might be some attention issues. And so what you're telling the school in that referral is here are some problem areas that really warrant assessing. If I mean, there are assessments that they wouldn't automatically do. So those would be like social, emotional, or um, educationally related mental health service mm -hmm. assessments. So if you tell them, I think that my six-year-old is depressed or manic or highly anxious, then maybe they would put that in their initial assessment plan, but it's pretty rare. Um, so if you really do want a specific assessment, do a little bit of research and you can put that into your referral letter and then um, say, I consent as long as the assessment includes these four areas. Um, and there's a lot of resources online that can help you to determine what your child needs to be assessed in. Okay. So just to review quickly, 15 days to, with, when they have 15 days to come up with a plan for the assessment. And when, with that first letter that you suggest you people write, you might want to include the types of assessments that you'd like to see done. Then there's 60 days to actually do those assessments. And now we're coming up with what happens after the assessments have been done. What's the next category or the next requirement legally? Yeah, so you have 60 days to do the assessments and hold the first IEP meeting oh, to okay. determine if the child is eligible. So mm -hmm. you've sat down together as a team. Um, the assessors came probably to the IEP meeting, they read the report aloud, or hopefully they didn't just read it, hopefully they summarized it. And they told you areas of deficit, areas of need, areas of strength. And as a team, they've decided, yes, this child qualifies as a child with autism or ADHD or dyslexia or whatever qualifying um, conditions they find. And at that IEP meeting, they might develop the child's IEP program, so the individualized educational program, mm -hmm. or they might not. They have they still have 30 days from that IEP meeting to determine or to develop the IEP. 
So if they determine, yes, the child is eligible, they have 30 more days to get the IEP in place. Um, So it's sometimes possible to hold the eligibility meeting and the IEP development meeting at the same time. That's ideal because, again, it gets things moving a little bit faster, but it's not legally required. And regarding the days, we talked before the show about holidays, how that gets thrown into. So if it's 30 days and there happens to be school holidays, it isn't necessarily 30 exact days. Yeah. So they're not, these aren't um, always perfect calendar days, at least in our jurisdiction in California. If you request assessments at the end of the school year or during the summer, they have 60 days from the first day of school. The law gets very technical at this point. Um, so it is a good idea to consult an attorney if you have questions or um, just because it can get a little bit confusing here and mm-hmm. school breaks, you know, holidays add time to their timeline. Got it. I just want people not to be surprised when they think they have 30 and then they're like, wait a minute, they're telling me these holidays interfere. Is that right? And it actually it is. Yeah, it is for the most part. And it doesn't add a lot of time. So they might toll the timeline for five Like if it's a five-day holiday, then they get a a tolling period, so it adds a little bit of time. But if it's just like Martin Luther King Day, then they don't get a tolling period. So the rules get pretty technical there. What I like to do, so if I send a letter saying, hey, I want an assessment. Here's my consent. Today is March 13th, and then I add the 60 days. And I say, I expect the IEP to be held no later than this date. And like sometimes it's a little bit of posturing. Like it might not be a perfect count of days, but at least then you've put something on your calendar and you're watching it to make sure that things are happening. You don't want to, you don't want to drop the ball once you start it rolling. So, um, it's, it's fine for you to count it out and think you're right. And if they say, Oh, actually we get five more days, then they'll explain that to you. Okay. All right. So the IEP has come through and at that point you have the right, well, I guess somewhat to consent for the implementation of the IEP, but can't the school district also has a right to force it, don't they? Yeah, they do. This is rare. Um, There are some parents who see special education as a stigma, and they aren't fully able to understand that their child has a need for special education. So there are instances where the school district does do the referral for assessment and then sues the parents to enforce its IEP. That sounds really scary. It's pretty rare. Um, but it happens, so it's something to be on the lookout for. Probably those parents aren't listening to this podcast. <laughs> but to you're be saying totally honest. <laughs> generally, you have the right to consent for the implementation. If you don't consent, then probably aspects or whatever you don't agree with won't happen, right? Yeah, that's pretty common. So schools now, especially, there's a trend toward um, schools telling parents, "Well, you didn't consent, so we're not doing anything." And that's not fair. Parents are allowed to partially consent to the Uh IEP. Mm -hmm. So let's say you really want the reading remediation and the extra help in math, but you don't want your kid to go to the school counselor for whatever reason. You don't want them to receive counseling. You have the right to partially consent. And the district, if you have a good IEP team, should respect that. They probably won't sue to enforce it at that level unless there's um, some really interesting things, mandating psychology in this example. Um, So yeah, partial consent is allowed. Don't let people tell you that it's not. Okay. So consent is the same as signing, right? Like you you sign or consent in part. So when they say it's time to sign the IEP, at that point you're consenting if you sign or at least consenting or signing in part, right? Is that that a good way to phrase it, that they're essentially the same thing? 
Yeah, I think that a signature is a good evidence of consent. It's not necessary under most parts of the law. I believe I'll have to do a little bit of digging on this one. I think the initial assessment plan, they need a written signature. There's a few areas in which they actually have to get your consent in writing. Um, to implement the IEP, they do not legally need a written signature. But as a matter of practice, most schools require it. They want something in writing saying that they had consent because it's just easier to prove that you were there and you consented if they have your signature. Um, so that might be more detail than you even needed. But yes, <laughs> if if you've signed it, you've probably consented to it. And when it comes to IEPs, there are lots of signature lines or boxes that you can check. So I recommend always signing for attendance. Mm -hmm. Always go ahead and sign. Say, yes, I was present. Then there are additional boxes that say, I consent to all parts of this IEP, or I do not consent. You don't have to sign that right away. You should take the IEP home with you and review it, and then decide what you consent to or do not consent to before returning it. And you should return it within, what, a week or so? Yeah, I'd say a reasonable timeline. Probably a week is good. Um, if it's very minimal review, you could probably get it back the next day. So it seems like it's be healthy to return it quickly because it shows your intent to care for your child. Like there's yeah, no reason to delay that. it. Yeah, exactly. Unless you need an outside expert right. to review something or if, if there's something really unique going on. I think returning it pretty quickly is ideal. The other instance where you might not return it right away is when the IEP meeting has agreed to continue the meeting for another day. Mm. So there might be a circumstance where they say, hey, let's try this for 30 days and we'll come back. Well, you can consent to doing it for 30 days. Like, yeah, implement that new service for 30 days and we'll hold another IEP and decide if that's going to be a more permanent fixture in this IEP. Um so I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. So let's talk about the IEE, the Independent Education Evaluation. You can request that, right? That's done outside of the school itself. Yeah, if a parent disagrees with the school's assessments, they have the right to request an IEE, so an Independent Educational Evaluation, at district expense. Um, this is a really unique area of law where districts do fight back. So you can request an outside assessment with an independent person, meaning they're not a school district employee. Mm -hmm. You pick them. You can find them um, online through lots of resource guides and handbooks or referrals from friends, other parents who you know with kids um, receiving special education. And you can pick that person to do the psychoed evaluation or the speech and language evaluation. But and, the school district but, won't necessarily say... <laughs> yeah, but the school districts do have guidelines on who they're willing to fund and if they're willing to fund um, an assessment at all. So they have the right to defend their assessment. If they think it's proper and they think they've checked all of the boxes, they can sue the parent. And it sounds scary, but it's the only method of enforcement that the law provides. They can bring a due process complaint against the parent to enforce or to defend their assessment. And if they do that, it's really hard for the parents to win a district-funded IEE mm -hmm. because you don't have an expert yet. And so it's great if you find a school district who's willing to work with you and grant the IEE and you get one, 
Um, that is awesome. If you have to do a little bit of pushing back to get one, that's great. And sometimes parents have to self-fund the IEE and seek reimbursement later. And that can be a, a barrier for a lot of parents. Yeah, because it's not a small not amount of money, right. Now, but yeah, once you've done the IEE, you mentioned that, uh, let's say you've funded it on your own, that the district has to at least look at it and consider it as part of the overall plan then. That's exactly right. So any assessments that you bring to the meeting, the district must consider them. That doesn't mean that they have to implement all of the recommendations, but it does mean that they need to review it, have someone present who's capable of understanding what's in those reports. These are not typically reports written for lay people. These are graduate level psychologists who um, write in a language that even is difficult for lawyers to comprehend. It's, you know, unique language. And so the school needs to provide someone if your assessor isn't available for IEP meetings who can say what the report includes. All right. Let's finish up then with progress updates. So you're, it's required they give a yearly update. And then there's also the issue of you can request updates. Can you talk about those two things? Yeah. So the IEP includes annual goals. That's, we say, goals drive services. So you get baselines on how a student is performing, and then you draft goals, and then they implement services to work on those goals. So at the end of the year, when you hold the annual IEP meeting, they should tell you whether the student met the goals or did not meet the goals. And they like to say partially met, and that's great if a student is making progress toward his or her goals, but you really haven't met the goal. If you say my goal is to lose 50 pounds by Christmas and you lose 35, it's great. You're moving in the right direction. But did you lose 50? No. So <laughs> I push back pretty hard on those goals to say um, either goals are met or not met. And we can have a note saying progress is being made, but the goal was not met. And the goal should be drafted so that a student can accomplish them within one year. That That is the intent when you write a goal is that they are um, – they have high expectations for a student, but they're not impossible. Sure. Um, so if they're not meeting their goals, that's important to get that in the progress report. And the team decides whether the student has met the goal or not. And you're, as a parent, part of that team. So go ahead and tell them what you think. Um, regarding more frequent updates, in the past, California schools gave quarterly updates. Mm -hmm. That's no longer required, but some schools still do it, and it's great. If you have a teacher who's willing to send home more frequent progress updates, that's very helpful. And even if they don't do it automatically, you can send an email saying, hey, how's that pragmatic language goal going? Or how's the reading comp coming along? And get some sense of how your student is doing um, throughout the year. And that's why it's important to keep good relationships with your kids' teachers. You want them to respond to those emails quickly and let you know what progress is being made. Yeah, often it's that sort of casual interaction, whether it's through email or in the hall, that you can learn the most. And that needs to be based on trust. Yeah, exactly. And then from there, if you get a report or a note from the teacher saying, hey, progress is really slow here, you can request an IEP meeting throughout the year. And the district has 30 days from the date of your request to schedule and hold that IEP meeting. So if you had your annual on September 1st and by Christmas break, you're concerned that goals aren't being worked on or progress isn't being made, you can request an IEP and have it in January so that you can tailor or change 
some of the IEP to meet what your child really needs for that school year. All right, good. Well, Linnea, thanks so much uh, for your time today on all this. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon.